Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello, Georgia. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, actually. Um, Yeah, I mean, what can I tell you? Being completely honest, I've got to go to a family funeral this weekend, which I'm really not looking forward to, obviously. And it's all a bit sad. My uncle died. And it's just like, yeah, it's just a bit rubbish, really. So I'm trying to keep going for the sake of the kids. As you know, because you lost your nan, like when someone dies, it's just really shit. It? Yeah, it is. It is really shit. And but, you know, I mean, there's nothing I can, you know, what can I do? I've got to be strong for my cousins. I need to be there for my aunt. Exactly. And, you know, he was old. He was 85. He died at home, you know, yeah. with um, the woman that he'd been with for 54 years next to him. But I think, I think for me, it's bringing loads of stuff back about my dad because he they were like best friends. And oh. we had Drummond for another like seven years and now he's gone as well so it's just yeah, yeah one of those weekends but I've got a nice a nice end to it so after I go up to York and do all of that I'm gonna have a little night away with Dozer because he was like come on you need a treat so we're gonna go and stay away um in Chipping Norton for the oh, night nice yeah Cotswolds yeah just for the t- just the two of us how are oh. you yeah I'm okay I'm good I had some time without Gigi <laughs> oh, yes. which was lovely and then this weekend yeah just really I'm gonna stay at home just organizing the house a little bit yeah. um and James is back playing Tuesday and Saturday now so we're really like sh- you know we're literally just ships passing at the moment yeah. so we're gonna try and make the most of our Sundays together especially yeah. now Axel at school he only sees um james on a sunday which is like it's really strange for him so yeah we're just trying to make the weekends now as chilled as possible and then we try to get all our stuff done in the week yeah so yeah it's weird isn't it when the kids are back at school because i'm finding that with luna that actually because of the fact that i work weekends i'm like james really aren't i yeah exactly exactly like steal the afternoon like maybe like a wednesday afternoon with her or friday afternoon when she's not at preschool it's really hard yeah and that's that's going to be it now like this is us for what 18 years which is a bit mental (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I really don't know can we talk about how amazing it was to see each other this week it was do you know what it's so like I cannot believe we didn't see each other for six months like we're used to seeing each other you know at least once a week if not twice a week and then you suddenly don't see each other for six months but weirdly it just felt like 
we saw each other last week. Like no. you know, like we were back at we were back at the Albright. We were back to back doing what we normally do. <laughs> yeah. It's like the last six months didn't happen. It so was lovely, nice. wasn't it? It just felt yeah. like you said. It felt like you know reunited, and it felt so good. And it was great because um, I I felt really inspired when I left you. You know, and I, we did a, we did a post on it this week about how you know it, it's uh, you're never too old and it's never too late to kind of start something. And we had so many messages on the grid actually when we were talking about that of people you know starting new careers when they had their kids or even uh, you know ten years after they've had their children they're like right bang let's do this. So yeah, yeah. it's never too late. No, it's not. It's <laughs> not. And I hope that some people listening to this will find if they don't feel it now that sometimes when you become a mum, you get a newfound confidence because yeah. I don't know, you sort of get that fuck it mentality, don't you? Like, oh, whatever, I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, do you just say fuck it? That's the first time I've ever heard this <laughs> on the podcast. I might be the last time. Well, who knows? Maybe I've got, because I've seen you. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, blame me. For all <laughs> um, listen, let's get into the chat because um, today's chat we recorded it um about 10 days ago and we again were, were really searching for somebody who has got a real voice in this area talking about um the menopause early menopause perimenopausal the signs to look out for and kind of everything that you go through and also really banging the drum to start that conversation and keep that conversation going around menopause which is something that half of the population are going to go through yeah, exactly. I mean, I certainly learned so much from this chat. And yeah. um, my mum, she, she sort of been going through it for I don't know a few years but hasn't really known and there were yeah. so many things that Liz mentioned that I was like oh that happens to my mum and my mum thinks she hasn't got any yeah, symptoms but she has this she gets up in the night and has a wee she her hearing's gone a bit funny all of these things so um yeah I really hope uh you know a lot of you are going to enjoy this one because yeah. it's certainly not just for people who are approaching the menopause like it is for everyone to listen to I was literally just about to say, you know, if you are listening and you're in your 30s and you're thinking, I'm not going to go through this for another 20 years, it's still, you take away some really interesting tips and pieces of advice and things to look out for because actually we don't know when it's going to happen. So it's really good to be armed with the info. Georgia, who are we chatting to today? Today, we are chatting to Liz Earl. So a really exciting day today. Um, We have been desperate to have a conversation around this topic of uh, early menopause, menopause, and we're kind of looking for the perfect person to to be the speaker. Um, The amazing woman that we're chatting to today started life as a journalist about 35 years ago. She did her first segment on This Morning around 30 years ago and is still doing it. Uh, A beauty empire that she sold back in 2010. She's now uh, running a publishing company. She has an amazing well-being community. She is mum to five amazing children today's guest is Liz Earl welcome thank you (laughs) lovely to be here thank you for having me how are you Liz yeah I'm I'm very well I'm busy I'm a bit tired Uh, but yes all is good it's uh yeah life life is full and has been even fuller obviously during lockdown because I had four of my five kids back with me so yeah it's it's been a busy time but hopefully it's getting back to a little bit of more normality now and and what is life like for you as a mum? Because your eldest is 27, is that right? Yeah, well, she'll be, actually, she's 29. She'll be 30 in January. Wow. And then wow. I've got my next son who's 27. And then I've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. And a last hurrah who's just turned 10. 
so who my mother <laughs> describes as my autumn leaf because um, <laughs> he was an unexpected blessing shall we say and I had a late baby I was 47 nearly 48 when I had him wow so, interestingly talking about the menopause I actually thought he was the menopause because when my period stopped I just thought oh well that's it you know yeah um, it, it didn't it was actually when we were selling the beauty company so I had kind of taken my eye off the ball um somewhat and was focusing on other things and had actually had hormone tests and general health checks and been told that my hormone levels were declining and it was very unlikely I was going to get pregnant and all of that it was just kind of a passing reference yeah I wasn't really paying too much attention and then yeah lo and behold had a, had a late baby which was fab actually Wow. So you mentioned you had hormone tests. So did you have any other symptoms? No, I mean, not that I recognized. I mean, it's a really interesting discussion to have because I think menopause is one of those great taboo subjects, which is still not discussed you know, yeah. we talk more openly about pregnancy and breastfeeding and postnatal depression and all those things. But actually, when you think about it, not every woman is going to have a baby. Yeah. Every woman will have a menopause mm. if she lives long enough. So, and that can happen at different stages. It's not just for older women. There's a significant proportion of women who will have early menopause in their 20s or 30s. It's not unheard of. And it's also not just about menopause. You know, menopause technically means it's 12 months since the date of your last period. Right. And in the UK, if you are a white European woman, and it, it varies according to your ethnic background, but if you're a white European woman, the average age is 41. Right. If you have an Asian background, it can be much earlier. It can be 43. Uh, so that's that's the time when you have absolutely no more periods and you are definitely post-reproductive years. However, hormones don't just switch off like a tap. Mm. Our estrogen levels gradually decline, and this tends to happen really from our early to mid-40s onwards, and that's a stage called perimenopause, so it's yeah. before menopause. And what we don't realize is that that decline in estrogen can lead to all kinds of symptoms that we might not associate. We might be expecting a hot flush, for example, yeah. a night sweat. But actually, the things that were happening to me, which I didn't realize at the time, were perimenopausal. I suffered really badly from insomnia. Um, I got tinnitus in my ears. I had achy joints. Um, I had itchy skin. You know, these are all some of the many, many symptoms of lowering levels of estrogen because we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies. You know, the reason I was getting issues with my hearing is that we have estrogen receptors in our ears. So once you start to lose estrogen, yeah. yeah, I had, you know, I went to all sorts of audiologists. Nobody said, oh, you're in your mid 40s, you know, let's top up your estrogen. Or a lot of my friends who are in their 40s who've been being very fit, suddenly start to have achy joints and yeah. think, oh my goodness, what's happening? And they get put under rheumatologists and all kinds of arthritis drugs and that kind of thing. And actually, we have estrogen receptors in our bones. So the minute you start replacing your estrogen, your aches and pains go away. So there's an awful lot of education and knowledge, I think, that we're missing. Yeah. Do you know what? It's really interesting, Liz, because I don't know if you know this, but I, uh, well, I've, I've just told you when we weren't recording, but I've just gone, or I'm perimenopausal at the moment. Um, and mm. early menopause runs in my family. Um, I did a big piece on it recently, just trying to raise more awareness because obviously yeah. it is hereditary. It was hereditary for me. My granny, my mum both went through it at 41. My sister, very sadly, at 33. Even though I knew it was coming, the symptoms were so 
intense I think is the word so distressing you know you mentioned yeah. the achy joints and the itchy skin I had like a flaky scalp my skin was like mm. it was on fire it was so scratchy but the drop off yeah. the of the estrogen obviously causing the I was having insomnia as well and I was getting very like this sort of burning internal burning that was going on at night time um wow. the drop off of estrogen yeah it was crazy I, it was so significant that it also massively affected my moods like I would be absolutely fine yeah. and then I would just fall off a cliff it was like yeah. uncontrollable tears um but you, you mentioned the sort of education side of things it is such a strange subject that half of the or 47 48 percent of the population are going to go through it but nobody yeah. seems to want to have that conversation why do you think that is well, I think it's maybe partly a cultural thing. I mean, if you go back historically, we women didn't tend to have many years in menopause, partly because menopause was later. I yeah. think we had more children and we tended to, to you know, keep on reproducing. Uh, the average age of menopause at the turn of the century was maybe kind of 57, 58. And right. when you think that a, a woman's life expectancy really wasn't much beyond 60. So there were very few years when we were actually menopausal or postmenopausal. Now, of course, the average age for women is, is in her mid-80s and the average age of menopause is maybe 51. So, you know, we're looking at, at 30 years or more, hopefully more, without any periods and probably more years without periods than, than with them, to be honest. So I, I think that's one thing. I think secondly... Um, doctors really scandalously still do not receive very much in the way of menopause training. Even now in medical school, they will learn the basics of, well, you know, women stop having periods and kind of that's pretty much it. But we now know that there's this massive role with estrogen. And, you know, even bringing it bang up to date, it, estrogen is very important for our, our immune system. For example, we know that women who are on the estrogen contraceptive pill or who take hormone replacements with estrogen are far better protected if they get COVID. Right. Because it has a really important role to play in our immune system. So there are all kinds of things that are now being discovered um, relating to estrogen and relating to how it's so important and so safe. I think that's the other thing. One of the reasons why doctors have kind of not been brought up to speed with the safety and the efficacy of replacing estrogen is there was a very damaging misreported study called the Women's Health Initiative, which was a big American study, which was published about 18 years ago. And it basically wrongly linked all kinds of hormone replacements with breast cancer. Yes. Yeah. I remember, I really remember that actually. Um, I, I was really young at the time and I remember my nan was taking HRT and my mum and auntie sort of saying, no, 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 you shouldn't be taking it. You shouldn't be taking it. Um, so you mentioned about estrogen and how important it is, um, especially at the moment for your immune system. So if you're not at um, that sort of stage in your life is there anything you can do to boost um, your estrogen levels well if, if you've got good healthy levels naturally of, of estrogen then you should be fine you are naturally better protected and interestingly the reason that researchers started looking at this is because uh, women are far less likely to be admitted to intensive care or to die from complications related to COVID. So there was already this sort of bias and, and the health professionals were thinking, well, why is this? And of course, when you start to look at, at the evidence, it's the connection that women run on estrogen and that has this protective effect for us. 
So I think those are one of the, that's just one of the reasons why estrogen is, is so important and, and we need to look at how we get it. Now you can get a little bit from food. Um, it's not widely available. So estrogen or phytoestrogens in food are from things like soya uh, and flax, but they are not very bioavailable. Um, not every woman will be able to translate them into the bioavailable form of estrogen that we need. So you may be used to eating lots of soya, but actually your body may not be able to process it. And you won't necessarily know that without, you know, quite intensive genetic testing and, and all of those things. And also you need to eat a lot every single day. So you need to be having a significant portion of something like soya or soya milk or uh, any of the fermented soya products um, at every meal. And I think you know, you're unlikely to do that. So I think eating estrogens or phytoestrogens, it can be potentially useful for a little bit of a top up if you're somebody who can uh, make it bioavailable. But for the main, if you want to replace your estrogen or top it up, the best way to do that is with a body identical regulated hormone, which you get from your doctor. Please don't go to private clinics and spend lots of money because they're not regulated and they're potentially yeah. unsafe. And you don't need to because it's bioidentical hormones are readily available on the NHS um, and they are tested and, and, and extremely safe and beneficial. And when you say um, bioidentical um, hormones, you mean HRT, uh, HRT form of HRTs? Is that what you're talking about here? The stuff that yes, I'm, yes. I'm on your own? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So th there's been this confusion. There have been some clinics selling unregulated compounded hormones. And this is where you go to a, a private pharmacy and you get given a little brown paper bag with some unidentified capsules or powders in and they mix them up allegedly according to what you need. The problem with that is that these are unregulated. So we really have very little safety data and there is evidence to suggest that they may not be protective enough. Um, you need progesterone, you need good levels of progesterone to protect us against uterine cancer, for example. So that's why it's really important if you're taking hormones that you have regulated hormones. And you can use the term body identical or bioidentical, it doesn't really matter. It just means they're exactly the same as we find in the body. And in the old days, you know, people were against hormones or replacing hormones because estrogen used to come from pregnant horses we that's how it was made okay wow. so, so there, there was this uh, i mean it's still used in america and occasionally in the uk as well it's called premarin premarin which stands for pregnant mare's urine premarin wow and it's a natural substance you know you can't deny it's natural uh, but actually modern hrt the transdermal kind that you find in gels and sprays and patches that go through the skin all comes from wild yams. So it's a plant-based hormone, which is body identical. If you looked to under a microscope molecularly, the body doesn't know it from the stuff that we make ourselves. So it's body identical or bioidentical. And you can get it, as I say, on an NHS prescription um, from your GP, as long as, of course, your GP is aware. And that's one of the big issues is that the GPs don't know enough about it yet. What was really interesting, actually, is as well on this subject, Liz, is that obviously because of my family history, and I think that's one thing that's come up, that conversation is now being had a little bit more readily, that people don't know what, what age their mother went through the, the menopause or their grandma mm. and I think that's that's conversation that has to happen within the family earlier on that's a really I, good I question armed with that information so when I went to my doctor I could sit her down and say look this has happened this is the pattern 
um, you know, you need to help me, basically, because we're hearing a lot that when women are going to their doctors and explaining what's going on to them, the doctors are going, oh, you know, go away, um, take some vitamin C, get a bit more sleep. It's like, well, that's <laughs> really not going to help me. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I mean, some GPs will say, oh, it's impossible. You can't be you know, menopausal until you're in your 50s. And of course, we know that that's completely wrong. And there are organizations like the DAISY Network and the DAISY Trust, which helps going through early onset menopause. I think the, the thing is, if you do suspect it and you have got a family history of early onset menopause, you can ask for a blood test. Blood tests are very useful before the age of 45 because they will pick up irregularities in in your hormone levels, which should be, you know, reasonably uh, buoyant up until the age of 45, unless you are in early perimenopause. Beyond the age of 45, nice guidelines with the, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence are very clear. GPs should not be doing blood tests. And the reason for this, and this is also why you shouldn't waste your money on these kits that you can now buy over the counter from chemists to, to check your hormone levels. The reason is our hormones fluctuate day to day and they fluctuate enormously. I mean, they fluctuate actually from morning to evening. So you can do a test one day, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday and find that you've got lots of estrogen. You repeat the same test at nine o'clock in the morning on Friday and find that the opposite is the case. So, you know, which reading do you go by? It's, it's very difficult. And that's why all these private clinics selling blood tests and saliva tests and all the rest of it are really bogus and, and are of no use because they just take a snapshot of that moment in time. You know, what we, what you need to do is be guided by your symptoms. So there's this uh, chart called the Greens Climacteric Score, and you can download it from various websites. There's menopausedoctor.co.uk. That's a really good website. You, you download it, you fill it in, and you record things like sleep and night sweats and anxiety and mood and all of those things. And that will give you a good indication of what's happening with your hormones. And you can then take that to your doctor and hopefully start a, a, a positive and informed discussion. So we're going to be back with our lovely guest just after this. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Laura Wright, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Music in My Life. 
In this series, I'm talking to some amazing guests about their favourite pieces of music. We'll be delving into the music they listen to and why it shaped them throughout the years. It's like intense, it made me feel cooler and stronger and harder than I was. But the man on board had had cancer and that's obviously become a big part of my life. I can listen to it now, reminding myself where I've come from. He just completely lost it as we, we pulled up to the, to the hospital. You can find it wherever you found this podcast. Just search Music In My Life. Now, let's pick up where we left off with our wonderful guest. Yeah, it's really interesting and, and just picking up from there as well. My experience was having to go through three rounds of blood tests at exactly the same point in the month. Um, and they all the results came back, you know, in terms of what my estrogen was doing, the fact that there wasn't any left in the, in the body that, that showed up. But, um, but it was very important to, like you said, not just to do it willy nilly because the hormones do fluctuate so much. Absolutely, certainly for younger women. But, you know, once you're past the age of 45, you shouldn't be having blood tests anyway because they're just not going to give you any degree of accuracy. Once you're on HRT and, and you're replacing your hormones and you're beginning to feel a bit normal, then, you know, for example, I have a, my blood tests, you know, once every 18 months just to check that, you know, that I'm I'm getting plenty of estrogen because the other thing is I use an estrogen gel, uh, which works really well, but actually some women don't absorb the gel very well and in that case they may be better off with a tablet so you know that's kind of why you need to just just check once you're replacing your hormones you need to check that you're actually absorbing them so I guess it's sort of like trial and error with a lot of things you know when you go on the pill when you want contraception you you take a while don't you until you find the right one or the right form of contraception um so you both mentioned about speaking to um you know your your mum your your grandma you know relatives in your family to find out when they went through um, the menopause so in my family um my nan and my mum don't actually know when they did because um my mum had some surgery I think my aunt auntie did as well um, and my nan was on HRT from like quite a young age um, I think I don't know if it was the dumb thing or whatever but um, she did that so she never really knew and she didn't really have any symptoms um, my mum had a few you know a few issues so had had some surgery like I say so she doesn't really know when she went through it um, I've had my children you know quite young I had my first just when I was 27 and I've just you know I'm only having two I'm 31 now so I, I don't think I want any more children but what signs would I look out for that's a really good question. I think um, the obvious signs are things like changes in what they call your vasomotor system. So that's what gives you the hot flushes, temperature changes, and it can give you heart palpitations. You know, many women I know are sent off for ECGs and cardiograms because they have an irregular heartbeat or a pounding heart. And that actually is, is quite a common symptom of lower estrogen levels. You get changes in mood. Estrogen, we have a lot of estrogen receptors in our brain and low estrogen causes anxiety big time. So you can, it's very hard. I know during lockdown, it was very difficult for a lot of women who were obviously feeling very anxious uh, to then say, well, is this a menopausal symptom? Am I just anxious because I'm watching the news feeds and that's just, you know, winding me up unnecessarily or, or, you know, what are you susceptible to? I would get flashes of rage where, you know, even my husband's breathing, like, oh my goodness, don't breathe near me, you know, go away. Uh, So I think those kind of things, um, 
in the extreme form, you can become severely depressed and suicidal. It's a really sad statistic that a significant number of women take their own lives in their early 50s, which of course corresponds to the classic age of menopause. And, and there are many support groups online. There's a great campaigner called Diane Danzibrink who came within seconds of taking her own life after a hysterectomy when she was left with no hormone support. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. If you, are, if you do have a surgical menopause, you have a hysterectomy, you, you, your ovaries are removed, you absolutely need to make sure that you are given right from the outset replacement estrogen because otherwise you can literally fall, you know, it feels like you're falling off a cliff and it can be extremely damaging and dangerous for, for mental health and well-being. I mean, even things like headaches, you know, migraine. A lot of women will say, I start, you know, I started to get migraine in my 40s and I didn't really understand why. Again, it can be linked to low levels of estrogen. So I think it's monitoring changes, being aware of all the symptoms, and there are about 50 of them, unfortunately. Uh, another one that was common for me was UTIs. So I used to get a lot of cystitis, urinary tract infections. I used to have endless rounds of antibiotics. Nothing helped. I was just wrecking my gut microbiome and my gut health. And actually replacing estrogen. Again, we have estrogen receptors around the bladder and urethra and a, a lot in the vagina as well. So that causes changes. You can get vaginal dryness. You can have um, all kinds of pelvic uh, infections. And you can become incontinent and you can get um, urinary incontinence. Uh, you know, it's very, it's very simple. It's very classic. And that, again, is caused by low levels of estrogen. And in that case, you can have vaginal estrogen. You can have creams or pessaries, which are super safe. So safe, you can use them even if you're having um, estrogen positive uh, breast cancer treatment because they're very localized. They stay within the, the vagina and, and within the pelvic wall. So they don't go systemically around the body. And I've made lots of podcasts on this with oncologists and, and breast cancer surgeons and menopause specialists because it's it's become such a, a, a mythology that you you know you can't have HRT if you have breast cancer or even that you know breast cancer is caused by replacing hormones and this is is very much um, not the case and the new studies in America actually released uh, just a few weeks ago show that if you for example you've had a hysterectomy. Um, and you're on estrogen only hormones, you are far better protected from breast cancer. So there's, there's a lot of misinformation that we need to overcome. It's it's a little bit of an uphill battle, but hopefully we'll get there. Um, a couple of things. Why do you think it's not being taught at an earlier age within this sort of um, educational system within schools? Because that's one of the things that I'm really mm. passionate about, that, you know, we're taught yeah. lots around sex education, you know, not how not to get pregnant. We talk about contraception. Here's a banana, put a condom on it, all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to yeah. our fertility, there isn't much discussion no, I, I think you're absolutely spot on. And there's a great campaign actually called um, Menopause Matters. That, that's a hashtag that's used on social media, Menopause Matters. And there's a, a, a campaign that you can sign on change.org if you look up Menopause Matters. And this has basically called for mandatory 
menopause education in school. And actually, it's just been granted. So menopause is now on the national curriculum, which is oh, amazing. Yes. That's so, amazing. So it'll be interesting to see what they teach, of course. I think I remember seeing it discussed. Uh, I think it was might, might have been on Loose Women. It was on one of those shows. And actually, you know, some women were against it. And they said, oh, you know, why do you want to depress all our young women by telling them what's going to happen? It's like, well, happen anyway. So let's kind of be prepared for it because it'll be a lot less depressing if they know what's happening than actually having to battle with it uninformed. But the other great thing about this campaign is that it's calling for mandatory GP training. And that is absolutely what needs to happen because, you know, knowledge is power. And that's partly why I continue to talk about it and write about it and podcast about it and do all these other things. It's because the more you spread the word, and it's actually a good news story. It's a really good news story for women. Estrogen is positive. We need estrogen. It's the fuel in our tank. We run on it. When we start to lose it, which we all do, you can safely, cheaply, effectively replace it. And yes. You know, it's a great news story. So let's share it. I mean, I'm thrilled that you guys are talking about it here. (laughs) And surely, like you just said, going back to it, you know, being on the education system now, surely it's better to have the right information than, you know, hearsay, you know, talking about it among friends and getting the wrong information and only hearing the bad side and not exactly what you can do, what you can do to make it better. And actually that it can be controlled and you can actually, you know, it can actually be, you can be fine. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> um, do what? So, aside from um, hormone hormone replacement, what things can we do to boost our mood, to boost our overall well being when we do hit that point? I think well, exercise is really key. You know, it doesn't have to be intensive. Twenty to thirty minutes walking outside a day. So not walking on a treadmill or, you know, being in a gym, but actually being outside. There's this thing called biophilia, which is the the health benefits of being outside. And even if you live in an urban environment, getting to a park, walking down a tree-lined street, you know, stopping to look at people's gardens, you know, those kind of things are really important because they do actually create beneficial chemicals in our brains. Our neurotransmitters relate to what they call fraxels, which are interesting shapes that you only find in nature. So repeating shapes in nature of leaves or trees or blades of grass, that kind of thing, all have a positive impact on the brain. And of course, we know that exercise, moving the body is creating endorphins. It's uh, acting as an antidepressant. In fact, there've been interesting trials up in Scotland where GPs have been literally prescribing exercise. Yes. You know, wow. Yeah. And um, and dancing, exercise, gardening, <laughs> yeah. and dancing. That's what they've been prescribing. Yeah. Yeah. And and really really powerful. And I think the other things to watch out for are uh, lack of nutrients. So particularly if you're following um, a diet that's not eating very much meat, for example, or animal produce, you need to be really sure that you're getting all your brain chemistry. So you need iron, you need available iron, you need iodine, you need B12, you need B6, you need choline. Um, You know, these are all really important nutrients to help your neurotransmitters to fight depression and anxiety uh, in particular. And of course, your fish oils, particularly DHA. And if you're if you don't eat fish and you're taking a supplement, make sure that it's an algae-based supplement because the flax supplements don't convert. There's not much bioavailability there. So 
you know, if you're vegan or plant-based and you're, and you're having an algae supplement, then at least you're getting your, your DHA, but you're not necessarily getting that from flaxseed. So I think looking at your nutrition, making sure that you're eating really well-balanced, brain-friendly foods to help your mood, um, taking your exercise, not extreme exercise. I mean, by all means do that if you want to, but it doesn't have to be. Getting outdoors, you know, literally spending time outdoors, not just staying inside and then heading off to the gym for your exercise and running home again, but actually physically getting outside is is, is hugely helpful for our brain. And also, I think personally, with the fear around it, you know, it, it last August to March from when I started taking, you know, when I started going through the symptoms to when I eventually got onto the HRT, the scariest time in my life without a shadow of a doubt. And I've been through some things, but I had no idea what was going on with me. And, you know, there were days where I thought I'm never going to be able to get out of this pit. Um, yes. it, it was horrendous. And because there wasn't much conversation going on around it, and even though I knew it was hereditary, I still was sort of in denial about it. And then there was the fear of taking the HRT and the there was the fear yes. of, you know, my sex drive never coming back, my hair never growing yeah. back, you know, the drive, oh. all of that sort of stuff. I think for anybody that's listening, that's going through it or knows somebody that's going through it to reassure them that actually you do feel like the old you again. <laughs> oh, I, I, I so agree with that. And I think one of the real problems with this is it's a perfect storm because you've got misinformation in the media and the press scaremongering and really building up this, this fear, particularly surrounding breast cancer. And then because you're losing your estrogen, your brain, you start to have irrational fears and you start to be irrationally fixated on certain things. So you might become, you know, really extremely, almost obsessed with something. And unfortunately for many women, it might be the fear of HRT that you're becoming obsessed by. And so you need to try and break that cycle and, and read up about it. There's lots now of you know really good information and really good websites. Just be t- careful not to get taken down a rabbit hole of um, of the of the fear mongers or the the kind of as I say the the compounding bioidentical clinics that just want to charge you lots of money because it is simple, safe, and effective. And once you can break through that cycle and realize that a lot of anxiety is due to lowered estrogen, so. If you can be brave enough, but, you know, unfortunately, and this is where a lot of my kind of campaigning work comes in, because the leaflets that you find in still in the HRT packs are wrong. So, for example, we know that transdermal estrogen from gels and patches and sprays can safely be used if you've got a history of deep vein thrombosis or stroke. They can be used if you have migraine. Uh, they can be used with high blood pressure. They actually help lower blood pressure. Um, and they have very, very little uh, risk with breast cancer. And yet all the data that's written in the leaflet is related to the old form of tablets where there was a risk. And you couldn't take if you had migraine because the, the tablets go through the liver. So you get clotting factors. And that's why you couldn't have them if you had DBT or, or thrombosis history. And that's not the case with transdermal. And yet the packaging in the leaflets has not been updated to say that. So you may get be brave enough to go to your GP. You may have a GP who is understanding and knowledgeable and says, yes, absolutely. I'm going to prescribe you replacement estrogen. You finally get it home. 
And you probably do the, for the first time ever, you read the tiny small print leaflet that's, I mean, how many of us buy a pack of pens? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know yeah never read it. It's not about liver failure, so I'm not going to have that. No, we actually sit and we read this thing and we go, oh my goodness, it tells me I can't take it because of um, thrombosis risk. And that's not true. So that's one of the things that, that a group of medics and I are campaigning with the MHRA to try and get them to change. Because you've got to be so informed as a woman. And why should that be? Why is it so discriminatory? I genuinely think it's discriminatory healthcare. I, I don't think if men went through all these different they simply would not be facing this level of, I mean, it's, it's essentially malpractice, in, in my opinion. And I, I do think that potentially, if it doesn't get sorted, that there will be an increasing number of court cases, and I, you know, possibly even a class action, you know, brought against. Liz, um, I want to campaign with you. I want to come campaigning with you. Come and chain yourself to the railings with me. Oh my God. <laughs> Absolutely. We're both there, aren't we, Zoe? A million percent we are. And also, I think as well, just going back to sort of the psychological side of it, um, a, you know, a lot of women get to a certain age and they just go, oh, well, this is me now for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm not going to speak up about it. I'm not going to tell my partner about it. I'm not going to talk to my friends about it. And I'm just going to suffer in mm -hmm. silence. I, that is bullshit. There is so much that can be done to help you you don't you don't have to be sort of stuck in this horrible glass box of hell you, no. can, you can feel like an updated version of yourself again you don't you, you know really can. You really can. yeah we, we, we need to sort of reposition it I think in the media because to be perfectly frank with you when I first started to write about this which was maybe about four years ago I was very reluctant to be associated with the word menopause because I thought, you know, okay, yes, I'm in my mid-50s, but I still feel vibrant, alive, you know, sexy and valuable and contributing and, you know, forward-going and all those kind of things. And the image of the menopause was just one that I didn't associate with. I, I wasn't an elderly, you know, dribbling, incontinent person in, in the corner. And that's sort of the stereotype, isn't it, of a woman sitting, fanning herself in the corner and not being able to remember, you know, her children's names. Well, you know, we need to get over that. We need to just really say, no, this can be the best second half of your life. For me, my children are, are growing up, they're leaving home. I've got lots of energy now. I've, I, I sleep well, thanks to HRT. I'm full of beans and raring to go and enjoy life. And I think it's a massive injustice that women aren't being presented with this as an option. And, you know, some women, to be fair, about 25% of women say they have no symptoms. So, and that obviously leaves the vast majority who do. But even if you say you have no symptoms, it's very interesting. I've got a girlfriend who said, well, you know, I'm, I'm now taking it because I understand it's it's protective potentially against Alzheimer's, which is a whole other story. So you know, yeah. she's taking it because she wants her bones to be protected for osteoporosis. That's the other massive thing that we haven't talked about, which is so important. So she's taking it for those reasons. But when she first started, she said, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that actually – I'm now I'm full of joy. I was feeling a bit flat, and now oh, my yeah. now I don't wake up at four in the morning to go off and have a wee because I don't need to. So all these little things that you might think I'm perfectly fine, I don't need it. When you actually realise the the long tentacles of oestrogen and where it reaches to, and how we do need it, women, it's it's a kind of a non-negotiable. Really, it's it's 
you know, it's almost a deficiency. I mean, that's how it's being positioned, I think, by a lot of medics now. They're seeing it as a hormone deficiency. It's a bit like you, you might need thyroxine because you have a thyroid deficiency or you might need insulin um, as a diabetic. You know, as, as older women, we have a, an estrogen defici- deficiency and it, it just needs to be replaced. Oh, Liz, you're so <laughs> But Do you know what? You've made me feel so much better about the whole subject in general. Yeah, um, just from, you know, this half an hour with you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. And, you know, really, all your listeners, please, you know, read up. You know, I, I've got lots of stuff out there that I, I put out all the time. I always feel I'm kind of come back to banging the, the, the menopause drum. And I should say I'm not paid by anybody. I don't take any money from, you know, pharmaceutical companies. I have no affiliation whatsoever. I have no vested interest. My interest is in the sisterhood and it's sharing really good, helpful information for women that will literally change lives. Liz, well, listen, you give us a call. You tell us the day and the gate or yes. <laughs> we, will, we will come and train ourselves to it with you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think you're an amazing woman. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God, I can't wait till we can chain ourselves to a fence with her. <laughs> she is incredible, isn't she? Like, she completely blew me away. She's also been on, like, TV for how many years? Like, 30 years or something yeah. like that. I think I, re- I I half remember watching her on, like, it wasn't Good Morning Britain then, was it? It was something else. But I, I do remember with my mum. Yeah. Um, She's brilliant. Wow. She's been a real, like, spokesperson for... For, for a lot of sort of subjects within that arena and also obviously a fantastic businesswoman because obviously yeah. she sold you know Liz Earl back in what was it 10 years ago um yeah, yeah maybe a bit maybe a bit less but yeah she's 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 just a fantastic female she's like a really strong powerful woman who really really bangs the drum for lots lots of issues so yeah I love chatting to her I feel inspired so do I. I've, I, I mean, I've learned so yeah. much. She is so knowledgeable. It yeah. really blew me away. But also, you know what? Just, just having a chat with her, it kind of makes you put things into perspective. And also, mm. I don't dread that time when it comes for me now. I feel like I'm armed. Yeah, yeah, I'm armed with the knowledge. I'll know what to do. Yeah. If I, you know, if I'm getting rejected from, you know, GP or whatever, I know that I need to keep hammering down the door and get, mm. you know and get what I want so I hope that yeah anyone listening to this will sort of feel armed with the knowledge now um, that they know the signs they know the symptoms but also that they know that it will be okay and there is you know there is something that can make it better yeah well I mean I think you only have to have a conversation with me and I'm happy to have any conversations if you do want to send us any messages at Made by Mamas or my personal at Zoe Harbin around this subject because I genuinely thought that I was never going to feel okay ever again you know when the oestrogen leaves the body in the way that it did so severely for me this January yeah um you know you're kind of at the at the bottom of the pit and I and I didn't think that any pill was going to make me feel normal again and it just did and obviously I'm really good with my diet and my exercise and all that kind of stuff but really getting onto HRT was a real turning point for me and I'm so happy that we are having these discussions I mean that whole thing around you know the fact that it's such a taboo subject it is yeah talk about it and all you know even talking about amongst you know our friends I'm really going to open up that conversation now 
Yeah, no, for sure, me too. And also just the fact that so many people sort of reference it as, oh, the change, the change. Oh, God. Like, it, it isn't. It, it's just the men. It's the menopause. Yeah. And this is, this, you know, this is what happens to your body. This is what ha- can happen to a woman. And also cut women some slack when they're going through it because yes. it's absolutely horrendous. Yeah, can be. Until you find, you know, like the right solution like you have. Mm. So... Yeah, yeah, I think we just all need to be sort of looking out for the signs among our friends and family and educating ourselves so that we know what's to come. And educating our children. Yes. Yes, yes um, absolutely. Well, listen, as always, we'd love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and a massive thank you for listening again. If you do want to leave us a little um, review on there, that would be fantastic as well because that really helps drive um, listeners to the podcast and that's what we're all about. Yeah, please do. And if you've got any questions around today's subject or any of the other subjects that we've covered in the past, then please do drop us a message at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman. And we will see you on Friday. See you then. Have a great week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.